You can take your seat, amen, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand while you do that. Amen. Um, in Zulu they say something like that. Kim Nandi, something, give Allah, something. It's nice to be here, it's good to be here. What they say, my wife, you know you got there. Huh? You, don't, you don't know, you don't remember. Kim Nandi, something, something, and then they, they say it. Hey, I like the way they say it. It's so awesome, amen. So good to have each and every single one of you, amen, in service today. Um, we thank God, amen, that the weather did not keep you at home, hallelujah. And that the lack of no water also did not keep you, amen. Uh, I know we've been going through some stuff with the water and all that there, and some people couldn't make it to service because of no water, but we thank God that you are here, amen. I say thank God that you are here, amen. It's it's a good thing. I, I believe that God has a word for you today, amen. And today as we reflect on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we reflect on what he's done for us, amen. Uh, how many of us enjoyed Friday, amen? Friday was, Friday was awesome, amen, hallelujah. We'll always get haters though, amen, but we don't worry about the haters, amen. We worry about those that were blessed. Hallelujah. And there were many people that were blessed. Amen. Somebody sent me a message on social media and they said that when they saw the display of Jesus on the cross, they just got so emotional and it was a reminder for them of what Jesus did for them. Amen. So uh, we didn't even have to preach then. <laughs> I was just sharing with one of the brothers, you don't even have to preach sometimes. You just have to show it. And when you show it, it's, it's an indication of what Christ has done. So we're not going to stop for a few haters. Amen. That feel like it's so I, I, I even saw on Facebook, Brother Lilas, that on Facebook, Facebook blocked uh, some of the images because it was graphic. So I said, that's, that's the intention. The intention is to be graphic because there was nothing about the death of Jesus Christ that wasn't graphic. There was nothing about his death that wasn't brutal. You understand? They punched him. They kicked him. They put thorns in him. They whipped him until his flesh started coming out. And yet he never said a word. So there was nothing watered down in his death. So I said that I wish we could have made it even more graphic. <laughs> you understand? But however, next time we have resources, we'll be able to do that. Amen. Make it graphic. Make it, uh, the toilet paper was, the tissue was coming out. So, but it was awesome. Amen. And there was a lot of people that were really blessed by it. Amen. And we did, we, we do it with a twist. We don't walk just on the road. We want to go into the flats. Amen. Where the people are, we want to go into the flats and we want to show them this thing. Walking on the road, you bypass so many other people. But going into the flats is like, you can't miss it. And everybody gets a shock. They're like, so many people around. What's happening here? I see someone laying on the floor he looks like he's bleeding and then they come they see hey it's a display of jesus christ amen or oh, poor belinda's daughter she doesn't understand what is happening at that time how old is uh hope is it, is it five yeah she didn't understand we had to put her in the car because she was weeping you know she was weeping poor jesus is getting brutal and if you watch passion of the christ if you don't weep when you watch passion of the christ i think you you emotionless if that's a word <laughs> you emotionless you void of emotion something about that that it was a savior that died for you the price the the beating the lashing the whoops is a savior died for you for your sin makes you cry makes you cry no matter how many times i watch it is always something 
something that comes down by my eyes. I just have to be a man about it and, you know, just, just wipe it. They say men don't cry, so you're like, I cry in my heart. <laughs> cry in my heart, even though no one can see it, I'm crying in my heart. No, cry, shed a tear. It's okay for men to cry. Look at a brother and say, brother, it's okay for you to cry. <laughs> it's okay for you to cry. It's a good thing if you cry, amen. It's a good thing if you cry. Shows you got emotions. <laughs> but we were taught, you know, when you when your child or son boys don't cry, yeah? They hold those tears in, boys don't cry. Yeah. Your child they, they man up, they bottle those tears in. So even when they, they want to express their emotion, they can't because they don't cry and stuff. But you know, our children nowadays they soft, they cry for everything. Yeah. They, you can't have this. Eh? Then you can say, hey man, I never eat you, what you crying for? You understand? So, but anyway, we had an awesome time yesterday, uh, Friday. So we thank the Lord, amen, for what he has been, amen. I want to welcome everybody that's visiting us for the first time. I see my cousin, uh, Chantel, amen. God bless you so much. So nice to have you. Janaid, you well? Good, good. You missed out. <laughs> we were there in uh, the barracks, amen. And hey, I tell you, I tell you, I remember when we were in the barracks the last time and while we were preaching, they dragged somebody uh, across while we were preaching. Now we, we came and we were dragging Jesus, amen. And we are showing them a better way, hallelujah. We were showing them a better way, so we thank God, amen. Uh, Lucinda, how are you doing? Nice to see you, amen. God bless you so much. Jared, nice to see you as well, hallelujah. It's so, it's so amazing, amen, that when we come into the house of God, I want to encourage each and every single one of us, amen, that when you worship God and your, your service to the Lord, you must make sure that your service to the Lord is void of emotions. I've learned that a long time ago. Is You, you can't be emotional when serving God. It, it brings a barrier and a restriction in your service to the Lord. I'm telling you, it stops your service to God. So I've learned to take my emotions out of what I do. No matter who would offend me in whatever moment. Sometimes I used to get offended just before I preach. Imagine being offended just before you preach, being angry just before you preach, and still coming to preach. So I've learned to take my emotions out of everything that I do, especially when it comes to my service to the Lord. So I want to encourage every single person, especially the, the youth as well, is that take your emotions out of what you do, because you won't be able to serve God properly, won't be able to worship God properly. Why? Because you're emotional. The Bible says we are not led by our emotions. We are led by the Spirit of God. Ask the lean, the Sam, she'll upset me or we're not talking and I'm about to go and minister. I'm upset, I'm mad, I'm angry. But I stand and I minister because imagine I decided, hey, my emotions, I'm not going to, and I, and I bring those emotions before you. So when I'm in prayer, I have to say, Lord, help me be, help me be a faithful minister of your word. And even though I feel this way, I must still be able to. And that's why I say take your emotions out of it because even people on the Sunday, on the Sunday service don't come to church because of their emotions that you're feeling. Hey, I feel like I need to stay inside. This weather is not too good. Hey, I feel like I needed to do it in this certain way. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like since when serving God had to do it how you feel. Never, never, never had to do it how you feel. Take all that out of it. You won't serve God effectively. God can't use you if you're worried about your feelings. I'm telling you, God won't be able to use if you worry about your feelings. But take feelings out of it. I feel I don't feel like dancing. What nonsense is that? That's nonsense. That's garbage. Put it aside. Dance. 
You have to do a service to the Lord, not a service to your feelings. Serve, sing. Doing a service to what? To the Lord. I was telling we tired the other day. We were doing the display. I said, why are you not dancing? She was dancing in church. I said, why are you not dancing? I don't want to dance. No, you don't do that. You don't do things like that. You serve. That's only in love, not in a funny way. And I can talk to the girls and everybody like that because it comes from a good place. It doesn't come from a bad trying to train you and teach you right. You don't do that. That's, that's not the way you behave in the presence of God. You serve God. You, we, we, we're raising soldiers, Brother Dennis. Is that our feelings are out of it. We have to or else you, you're not going to serve God properly, I'm telling you. Because when you, when you become emotional and you feel like you want to do it and don't want to do it, me as, a, me as a leader, I'm like, you're not reliable, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. So then somebody who is reliable and somebody who is faithful will take your position and you wonder why my position's taken. You wonder why is this taken? Because our feelings are in it. Feelings. Yo, I, when I was serving in the church, I would be upset almost every every Sunday. Somebody would upset me, Ramon. I kill you. I want pastor. Nothing, but somebody was upsetting me. But I had to stand there by the door and usher like I was not upset. I had to stand there and do what I'm supposed to do with a smile on my face as though I wasn't upset. And it helped me to deal with my emotions. It helped me to bring my emotions under subjection. So some of us, we can't do that. We can't bring our flesh under subjection. Some of us, when you're upset, you stay away from church. I'm telling you, if I'm fighting with Delene, imagine me saying to Delene, hey, I'm upset with you. I'm not coming to church because I'm upset with you. What, where, where did God come into play in that? It, it's something that you have to try and control and bring under subjection because the healing of your, your marriage, the healing of whatever you need, your emotional problem, is in the presence of God. It's in the presence of God, nowhere else. So we have to try and bring that thing under subjection. Yo, I'm telling you, it's, it's something important. Before Deline used to do that to me, remember Deline? She used to do that, me and her fight, I'm staying at home. Yeah, it's a Ramon, I'm telling you, Charlie, you think it's funny. It's a joke. But it's funny. Only when I started to mature in the things of God, I realized, ah, what demon is that? Now that you're fighting with me, you're fighting with God. Where did God come into play? I made you upset, not God. So why you can't worship God? Did God make you angry? Don't be mad with God. Who are you proving a point to me? Charlie, no, serving is never for the pastor. When we talk about working for the Lord and serving, you think that we just want you to serve. It's for you. That one day you would enjoy the benefits of receiving your crown. It's not for me. When you go out and win a soul, what benefits is it for me if you go win a soul, Ramon? What am I getting for you winning the soul? Are you going to give me money? It's not for me, it's for you. When we tell you to work for God, is it for me? I'm not going to be benefited. If you, if Brother Dennis stands and asks you there, how is it benefiting me in any way? It doesn't benefit me in any way. It's not, it's not adding anything to my life. It's for him to serve and worship God. Or anybody that does anything in the house of God. I don't even know I'm supposed to talk about resurrection. Uh, for anybody to do anything in the house of God. It has never been for you. So get your emotions out of it. Because you'll be making one of the most biggest mistakes in your life. If you put your emotions when it comes to the things of God. And you find out that's why there's many church breakaways. And many people leaving one church to another and moving like that. It's because they're emotional. It's emotion. Emotions will keep you at home. Your emotions will say, no one came to see me, so I'm staying. Emotion. You can't serve God. That's why, I've, even for me now, I'm trying to stop responding to emotions. 
I'm trying to stop responding to emotions because I want you to understand that it doesn't matter how you feel, you must still worship God. That's why we, I talk in the way I talk and I train the guys in the manner I train you guys. Because it got nothing to do with emotions. Got everything to do with you serving God. So put your emotions. So when you come to church, say, I might be offended by the door. That's okay. Somebody might look at me in a strange way. Whether you're sexy eye or they're lazy eye or, or whatever eye. They, they just might look at me strange and I might feel offended. It's okay. I put my emotions by the door. So that you can serve God effectively. If you can't, I'm telling you it will be a strain in your relationship with God. It would be a heavy problem. But today I declare that you are rising up and you are serving God void of emotions. Amen. Void of emotions. Void of emotions. You know, there's one sister that, that left the church. You nice, nice sister, nice sister. Got a beautiful gift. She was emotional and she decided to leave the church because they never put her on a certain part of the program. So she, her heart was sore and she left. It, it was an emotional decision. It wasn't a spiritual decision. And I said, I said to her, go take time out and pray about it. But that's what happens. We get emotional. And we're not, so what, like, so what if I don't make Marie sing today? Marie, I was supposed to sing and I never sing. Hey, Pastor doesn't, Pastor doesn't respect me. I'm leaving. I feel like he doesn't respect me. I feel like he doesn't treat me right. And then you leave. Personally, me, you'll know me. I don't have issues with no one in church. If I have an issue, I'll come and I'll tell you I have an issue with you. Or me and my wife will bring you into the office. But personally, my, my heart is never to offend anybody in church. So if, you get a, if, if I say something and you're offended, it's either I did it in the, uh, not knowing, or you were offended based on how you felt that word was. But it wasn't a direct attack. You understand? So when, when, when you take it personally like that, you would see that then you would sit down with me and you'll talk to me. You realize, ah, Pastor didn't even mean that it was for me. I was small in the, I was, I was immature in that matter. You understand? Because it wasn't even for me. Yeah, because you know me, I preach. And I always preach the truth. So like, now I'm supposed to talk about resurrection. I spoke about emotions. Do you understand? So it's important for you to understand that. Day. And when you have that understanding, you'll start to see how God will bless you. Amen. So anyway, for those that I don't know that are visiting for the first time, God bless you. Welcome to JCMI, where we don't alter the truth or compromise the word of God. We give it as it is. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 28. Hallelujah. That is heavy for a Sunday morning, eh? for a resurrection Sunday. <laughs> resurrection Sunday was heavy. Amen. But we like to preach truth. What you say, Colin? <laughs> Amen. 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 I believe God is God is going to do something amazing in our church. You just you just watch and see. Those that those that are secretly wishing for our downfall, secretly wishing that God doesn't do it, they're going to be surprised. Give us winter, lest we die, Ramon. Give us winter, lest we die. Amen. Are you in chapter twenty-eight, verses one? Amen. That's all. Are you ready for me just now? Good. 28 verses 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The gods were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Verses 5. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see a place where he lay. Then the dead, sorry, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met him, greeting, said they came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. Let's look at verses 11. While the women were on their way, the stone of the gods went, the, some of the gods went into the city, reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan and gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say to his disciples during the night, and you are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Verses 15, so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and the story has been wildly circulated amongst the Jews to this very day. Father, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Ramon, please do me a favor. Can you help me just move the pulpit to this side here for a minute? Amen. So the scripture makes us understand uh, that Jesus, even though he died, he, he, he rose again. And even though many people and if you were somebody that believes in science or you're somebody that is you study science the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that doesn't make sense scientifically any dead person rising or coming back to life scientifically there's no sense to it science can't explain a miracle science can't explain how somebody that has cancer and all of a sudden that cancer just leaves your body because science gives you a time of when those things can happen somebody can't explain or scientists can't explain when somebody is crippled or somebody doesn't have a leg and that leg grows back it's hard for science to put their head around it so we look at it and we understand as believers that as for this this is nothing sure but a miracle this is nothing sure about but the hand of God. And throughout history, you must be a people and you must be a bunch of believers that believe in miracles. You must not be scared of miracles because the God that we serve is a God that performs miracles. The God that we serve is a God of a supernatural. Everything about Jesus is supernatural. His birth was supernatural. His death was supernatural. Everything about Jesus is supernatural. So when we are to believe, we have to take science, we have to take history, and all these things out of the picture. We're not saying believe blind faith. Don't have blind faith when it comes to the scriptures. What I'm saying to you is that you have to believe and have faith in an unseen God 
there is unseen God can perform miracles beyond your wildest dream. If I had asked anybody to come and testify of maybe one time you were sick in your body and all of a sudden somebody laid hands on you and you were healed. Can ask anybody to come and testify of certain things that happened in their life and it was no show of a miracle. It was no show of God coming through in your life. So when we look at the resurrection and we look at Jesus Christ rising from the dead, it seemed as though that the enemy had won the battle. It seemed as though that everything was done. Jesus Christ, the one that they followed, the one that they believed in, the one that they put hope in, the one that said he will build a temple and in three days rise again, they, the one that they, they thought was their savior and they thought was their messiah. And the enemy thought he had won the battle. When he was, Jesus was on the cross and they nailed him, they thought that the victory was theirs. They were smiling and they were laughing. If you watch Passion of the Christ, you would see how the devil would move in between the crowd with a grin on his face. As they were, as they were splashing Jesus, as they were eating Jesus, as they were doing, the devil would move with a grin on his face. Because they thought that it was done. But little did they know that God was planning, God was preparing a miracle in the making. That even though they nailed him to the cross, even though they nailed him to the cross and even though it was painful and even though it looked like they had won the victory it looked like the battle is over and sometimes in your own life it seems like that sometimes when you look at your circumstances it seems as though satan has won it seems as though your marriage will never be restored it seems as though you'll never get out of those finances it seems as though you'll always be sick, you'll always be miserable, you'll always be in pain. It seems as though God is not going to do anything in your life. But I want to tell you today that we serve a miracle working God. We serve a God that performs miracles. That when you least expect it, when your family has written you off, when your friends have written you off, and your loved ones have written you off and say nothing good will come out of you, this miracle worker... This one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we are think and imagine. In that last moment when you even felt that God is not in your life, resurrection power starts to come into place. Remember when he got to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, these bones are dead. There's no way these bones can be a mighty army. These bones can never ever come up and have flesh on them again. And Ezekiel said, God, you know, and he said to him, speak over those bones. Because even though it seems like it's a skeleton and even though it seems like it's dead, resurrection power is on the inside of you. Because remember the scripture says in Romans, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit is inside of you. Jesus, Jesus never says, I'm waiting for resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He says, I am that. It's not that he was waiting for some kind of... He knew that he would rise again. That's why he was confident to say, Ramon, that I will destroy this temple and in three days' time, I will rise it up. I will raise it up again. He says, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take my life up again. He's a miracle working God. He is the resurrection. It's not something that he does. It's who he is. And then he says the same spirit that was in me is now in you. That you too have the same resurrection power. 
but they thought he was done with. They thought it was over, but little did Satan know. Can you play that track for me? They thought it was over, but little did they know that Jesus had resurrection power on the inside of him. That there was life. There was life. Amen. There was life. Amen. Put volume on it. The devil thought he had Jesus. But resurrection power started to come into play. Hallelujah. Is it all out?
Oh, 
Hallelujah. Amen. That is amazing. Amen. Jesus, yeah. Jesus, how are you, Jesus? Just, just for a moment, man. Just tell us, how, how did it happen? How did you come from the grave? You were dead. They put you on the cross. We witnessed it. But how did you, how did you, how did it happen? You know, I was crucified for y'all before the foundations of this world. But I had to come because if you had not seen it, you would have not believed it. Blessed are those who have seen and believed, but much more blessed are those who have not seen but believed. Before you, before you go, before you go, what would be your words to the people of of your death, your burial, and your? What would you want? What what did you die for? What was so significant about that? You know, without a shedding of blood, there could be no remissions of sin. From the beginning, my servants have been slaughtering. Solomon slaughtered many oxen, many cattle in the temple, but their blood could not redeem. But I needed a lamb without blemish. You know, when they used to slaughter in the old temple, they had to select a lamb without blemish. But even that lamb's blood was just a foreshadow for what I was coming to do for you. So when I came, I left my throne and my glory in heaven to come down and walk earth and walk the earth with you so that by my blood and the shedding of my blood that was pure, you could be come back to me and come back to my father. You could be reconciled. You could be an overcomer. You know, power is now in your hands. You just have to apply the blood. You just have to apply the blood. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. God bless you, Jesus. Amen. Bless you so much. Wow. Come on, celebrate. Amen. He's not dead. He's alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. For those that don't understand, Leroy is not Jesus in the flesh. Amen. We just uh, demonstration. <laughs> just before somebody goes, Hey, there's Jesus there. There's Jesus. Jesus, why are you not praying? Why are you not healing my mother, Jesus? Leroy is not Jesus, okay? <laughs> Amen. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was in Durban Christian Center and I did, I was one of the soldiers and we were very brutal when it came to smashing Jesus. I, was, I think I was telling Leo, uh, we were very brutal when it came to eating Jesus and stuff. Um, and of course we did it through, went to Croton Road and all that there. One of the children saw me afterwards. See, see, you uncle, I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you. I'm like, why? What happened? I saw you. I saw what you did to Jesus. I saw how you were eating him and, and you're the pain that you caused him. I don't like you, uncle. I said, Baba, but I'm not a soldier. I was just playing the soldier. Say, I don't like you, uncle. I don't like you. What you did to Jesus was wrong. I was like, hey, that was now painted as a soldier. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Mark, chapter number five. Amen. I'd like to talk to you today about resurrection power. Amen. 
resurrection power. Mark chapter 5, we're looking at verses 39. We'll end today short, short, amen, so that you can go home and spend some time with your family, and then we have to be back at 5 o'clock, okay? So, uh, give me, can you give me 10 minutes? Is that okay? Okay, you want to give me longer than 10 minutes? <laughs> I'm like, 10 minutes, like, no, longer, pastor, longer. Amen. Are you in Mark chapter 5, 39? Amen. Okay, I think she got it for you. Amen. And when he was come in, he had said unto them, talking about resurrection power this morning, when he has come in, he had said unto them, uh, Latara, are you recording? Okay, thank you. And when he had come in, he said unto them, Why make ye do? Let me read this so we can all be on the same page, okay? And when he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Verses 40. Verses 40. Same, yeah, next verse. 40. 39, 40. Yes, we reading. It's going to be continuous reading. Don't worry, you'll get it right. Okay, cool. So just know you're going next after this, right? But they lauded him after he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. 41. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kumi. Talita kum. Some versions of the Bible say Talita kumi, right? Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Or little girl, I say to you, get up. Verses 42. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. So the first, the first, the first sign of miracle power, or the first demonstration, or Jesus demonstrated that he had miracle power, was when there was a child that was dead, completely dead. She was dead. Sorry, she was dead, and she was only 12 years old. And when they came to Jesus first, and they told Jesus that the Jairus' daughter is sick, Jesus never do anything. Anything. He never say anything. He never walk. He said, just believe. Jarius, just believe. And on the process of him going to heal Jarius' daughter and, then, and on the journey for him going to raise Jarius' daughter from the dead, because according to Jesus, Jesus never says she is dead. Jesus referred to them that he is a, she's asleep. And so, so as, and the, another word for asleep is also that she's, she's dead, right? Not like asleep in terms of she's taking a nap or whatever. But they couldn't understand the language that he was speaking in, right? Nevertheless, uh, the scripture makes us understand, Ramon, that while he was going to pray for Jairus' daughter, a woman with the issue of blood interrupted him. And she had an issue of blood. She was suffering for how long? Twelve years. This girl is how old? 12 years old as well. So the scripture makes us understand that she had a flow of blood. She went to all the doctors, all the physicians to try and heal her from the sickness. But she could not be healed from the sickness or this disease. And then she heard about Jesus touching. She heard about Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment. I'm just paraphrasing. And the Bible says instantly a flow of blood stops because she, she was bleeding continuously and the flow of blood stops. Are you following me so far, right? And the scripture makes us understand that because Jesus took a long time, the people from Jairus' house came to him and said, don't bother yourself. Don't worry about the situation anymore. The girl is now dead. She's now, she's now gone. First, sorry, first she was sick. She wasn't dead. She was still sick. Now, when the woman with the issue of blood interrupted the flow, then they came and they reported that she is now dead. And Jesus says, only believe. Now, the scripture makes us understand something. 
that when Jesus went into the house, he saw the little girl there, right? And he had to chase everybody out of the house. He chased everybody out who did not believe that he was the resurrection, who did not believe that he had resurrection power on the inside of him. And Jesus never make it, he never make it something that was or difficult or you never say long prayers or speaking tongues and you know like, ah. all he did when he saw the girl situation he chased everybody out he demonstrated to us number one that he has resurrection power all he said to her was Talita kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise. And that was the first indication, or that was the, when you look at the stories within the Bible, of the first indication of Jesus having resurrection power on the inside of him. That even though it might seem hopeless, and even though it might seem dead, and even though it might seem, because they said, she's now dead, don't worry him anymore. There's nothing that he can do. The situation, when she was sick, there might have been still something that he could have done. When she was still breathing, he could have at least prayed for a healing. But now that she's dead, the story is over. There's nothing that can happen. But Jesus had to demonstrate and show that he has resurrection power on the inside of him. So he never say long prayers like how we pray long prayers and stuff. All he said was, Talita Kome. I remember years ago, and I think I shared it here, I was with my, my father in the Lord, Apostle David Menzer, and we went to Peter Marisburg and we were having a prayer meeting. And when we got to Peter Marisburg, Ramon, there was a lady that was in the meeting and she was praying with us. But something happened when we had left, the lady died. The lady died. After the prayer service, she went, she, she filled water, she did something, she laid on the bed and she never wake up after the prayer service that we did. So we were rushed and I also wanted to go because I was like, because I was the last person that prayed for this lady. Eesh. So you know what was going through my mind like, hey, something must have, what, 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 what kind of power I'm carrying that when I pray for people they die. You, you understand? So I wanted to go and witness and see what was this. So I rushed, I rushed with him and for true this lady was dead. She was laying on the bed, dead. And now we're questioning, how did this happen? What went wrong? What, what happened? They themselves don't even know what happened. They themselves don't even know she was busy a few minutes. And then afterwards, she laid on the bed and she never woke up. I was like, yo, let's go in the room. My father said, let's go in the room and let's go pray. So I went in the room and I went to go and pray, both of us. As, he, as we were praying and as we were laying hands, inside of me, I wanted this lady to to rise you know you you want to like this can't be how can she die hey i'm praying and we're praying heavy prayers come on lord this happened never happened in your meeting but we were the lost what are they gonna say <laughs> you know come on hey i said i, I thought i felt a pulse i said hey i think she's she's alive feel her feel her hey when he felt, he says, Charlie, you're wasting my time over here. We pray, pray. Of all the prayers that we pray, she remained dead. The situation was over. It was done. It was cancelled. They planned a burial and everything else. Now, you must know, as a young preacher, that was very disturbing for me. Because I was still up and coming. I didn't want preaching all the time and stuff. I would just follow him wherever he went. I was his armor bearer. And wherever he went, and he was the one that told me, pray for a loss. I prayed for, after he had prayed, I had prayed, and I prayed for her, and I covered her life, and whatever. And then she died. So you can imagine how me I'm feeling as a young preacher, just coming right in the ministry. <laughs> you laugh in Ramon. <laughs> and somebody that I pray for dies. It's a serious, it had an effect on me. 
Even to the point that I couldn't worship. Like, even my friend came to me. She said, there's even one lady. Remember Auntie Shirley, mommy? From, from Woodstock, yeah? Auntie Shirley was sick. They called me to go and pray for Auntie Shirley. Next day or two days after Auntie Shirley died. Hey! Hey! It's serious! It was worrying me. <laughs> um, um, when I say it was worrying me, it was worrying me. So my friend, she had, she had, she had yellow jaundice. Now you know that your skin. She came to me. She says, "Please don't pray for me, because everyone you pray for, it looks like the Lord takes them." I'm serious. And then, yes, then again, <laughs> and then, and then. My friend Sherry Ann's husband now, Oren, his mother was sick as well. And they called me to pray. And she died. Hey, I'm telling you, it's like I had like it's like I had a, a omen on me, like somebody was wishing me evil all my life. They died just like said, please, please stay away. Don't pray for me and stuff. It affected me big time. I don't want to pray for no one. I refuse to pray for anyone. Until the Lord started to speak to me and he started to say that he has the power of life and death and it's not in my hand. So one day I was doing a, I was doing a deliverance session after maybe a couple of months of, of that. I was doing a deliverance session and that memory of those people dying was fresh in my head. It, it couldn't leave me, you understand? It was hard. I was in this prayer service, it was a deliverance session, and I was casting out demons in this one family nearby uh, Sister Val's house in Burgess Road. But there was a lady, her name was Winnie. I don't know if some of us remember Winnie. Remember Winnie, Sister Zaini? There was a lady, her name was Winnie. Hey, Winnie was hardcore. She, she would be in and out of the deliverance session. She wouldn't be focused, Leroy, on the deliverance. She'll come and she'll go, she'll come and she'll go and stuff. And while I'm doing the deliverance, casting out demons in this one place here, uh, as I'm casting out the demon, demons are somewhere else, and demons are somewhere else. And then I heard a loud scream from Sister Jennifer Applegreen. And they screamed, they said, Winnie is now dead. Hey, repeating itself again. It's coming again. Now people I'm praying for in the meetings that I'm having, people are dying. When he's dead. So Leo, uh, Leo, I got a shock. Now God, now I'm praying for this person. Casting out the demon. My mind is playing games with me now because when he is now dead. And they heard a dead, you know, you all know about dead rattles and all that. They heard a dead rattle, her body weight was not the same. They even called an ambulance for her because of, but I'm praying for this one. And my heart, my heart is saying, God, how can you do this? How can you allow this to happen again in a meeting that I'm conducting? What will people say? I'm telling you, what will people say about you? What will people say about your name? My mind, as I'm praying for this one person casting this demon out. I'm not even lying. I'm not even fabricating any story. I kid you not. You'll know I won't do that. As I'm praying for her, it was as though not even me myself deciding and I'm going to pray for Winnie. It was as though the Spirit of God picked me up from where I was and He took me directly to where she was. And I went to her. And as I was there, the Spirit of God started to speak to me. He never said pray for a resurrection or pray that she gets comes alive or whatever. He says rebuke the Spirit that is inside of her and stuff. But as I said lift her up, they struggle. 
because she was like she was gone they couldn't lift up a body because a small lady she was a small lady but they couldn't lift up a body because she was now heavy like all you know like all your organs shut and fail and now she was heavy she was like dead so there she was said lift her up now i was doing something that was not even thinkable for somebody to even do i should have just written it off in terms of ramon she's dead the situation is gone there's nothing nobody can do but the spirit of god pulled me it was as though lila kid you not everybody else around me they just disappeared and it was just me and the spiritual me and the demon that i'm dealing with i never even see the lady i kid you not so there i was and i wrote this woman and i told her lift up and the lord said open her eyes her eyes were closed so i had to open her eyes and he says don't pray speak to the spirit and command that spirit to leave her so that's what i did i put her eyelids down and i said in the name of jesus i rebuke the spirit of infirmity and i commanded out now i kid you not this lady i don't know were you there this is anyway you were there this lady had a scream like she had a near death experience or like she came out from somewhere and she screamed she like that that my scream is still small but she screamed and now me i knew what happened <laughs> i never go around see like only only certain meetings where the lord would allow me to share it i share it because i understand how people believe so i i knew that day that something took place in that lady she came out from wherever she was with i believe she was dead i believe she was dead and she came out from that situation and i walked away like nothing happened i think cuz the lord wanted to keep me humble and remain and make me remain humble as i prayed for her and she screamed like that i walked away and i went to go pray for someone else and then in burgers road i started hearing from people they said hey i heard that you raised somebody from the dead yesterday now i never say i raised anybody from never even go and tell never even go to the church or even my pastor and said i raised anybody from the dead so the make the messages started coming through to me that you raised god says don't worry about those what people are saying or whatever it's true the person was dead but see what i wanted to show you is that i am the resurrection and i have power that even though the situation seems dead I can still bring it to life. He says I wanted you to experience it for yourself because all those people that have died when you prayed for them it wasn't because there's something that was wrong with you. I wanted to show you that I have power over death and I have power over life as well. And I was like, wow. Wow. So when people die I stopped questioning why they died. I understand that if they died God had allowed it to for them to die because he has power over life and he has power over that and that thing opened my eyes so when i saw this lady that's why jesus was calm about it because he knew he had witness within himself that this one this is not for death this is for the glory of god he knew it and even though your situation like i'm saying it might seem dead and hopeless and it might seem like there's no resurrection i want to prophesy to somebody that it's for the glory of God amen that your situation will turn around and that it will be for the glory of God can i read one more scripture and then we can go amen let me read one more scripture we're going to look at Luke chapter 7 verses 12 Luke 7 verses 12 
We, I believe, we must look, and it breaks my heart even thinking about it. How many of us look at the miracles we see in the Bible and the signs and wonders we've heard of, maybe the God's gentles, and we look at us as the body of Christ now, not just us as JCMI, but the church as the whole body of Christ. Where are you talking about Catholicism? Where are you talking about the Methodists? Where are you talking about Pentecostal? The church universally, because we are the church universally, right? Even though we have different teachings and stuff, but we one church universally. When I look at the church now as it stands, and I look at the miracles of the Bible and the miracles of Azusa Street in, in terms of God's genders with, uh, what's his name? Somebody help me. Give me some names. Karen Coleman, you know, Mary Wood Etta, and all these great men and women of God, John Alexander, Dawi. I look at the miracles that they had performed, and I look at the miracles within the Bible, and I look at where we are as a church. I realize something so important is that the church is so far off from where we supposed to be in terms of what we saw what we witnessed and where we are right now we have reached we've missed the mark because of so many things that are now forms of distractions in our lives so many things that are now taking us away from god so many things that are taking so even if we would pray for them it seems like it won't come because we spend more time on these technology things and things that are around us and we're distracted by what's going on that we don't spend time Time in the presence of God I would hear stories of these men of God and women of God that would spend days in prayer days seeking the face of God when lost have we prayed like that when lost have we sought God that day I'm here to tell you today that you must understand something very important there is a difference between somebody that prays long and somebody that doesn't pray long you you would not you would think that there's no difference but Ramon there's a difference the difference is spiritually you would see the evidence on that individual the evidence will be on that individual. The fruit, you'll see it, you'll see it. That's why the scripture says you can, you'll be able to tell the difference between those that serve God and those that serve Him not. The evidence will be on their life. So we look at it and we see like we are far from it. We are far from it because of discussion, because now the church has, the church has even uh, appeared to be so worldly in its sense. Is that most of us, we don't even carry Bibles. We are hoping for that screen to show the words or, or whatever. It seems like we are, we are far from where we are supposed to be originally and stuff. But I believe the God that we serve in, He wants us to get back to their place. Where we would see miracles, signs and wonders. Where the supernatural will become natural for us. That the supernatural will be natural. That miracles and signs and wonders would be something that, oh, as for JCMI, as for the body of Christ, we do those things. Somebody talks about healing. They have to go to a mountain to be healed. No, there's a church in Wentworth called JCMI. That healing takes place there. Someone will talk about, hey, deliverance. Hey, I need to go to maybe uh, Prophet Shepherd Bushiri in Malawi to get delivered. Hey, no, you don't have to go all that way. There's a church in Wentworth called JCMI. They do the deliverance over there. Hey, I've been sick. No, don't worry. There's a church. We need to make a supernatural very natural. Very natural, and when it becomes when it becomes like that, you start to see without your efforts, without your work, God will start to to bless and promote, and God will start to bring all these things without any work and effort. And I'm telling you, miracles is one of the besides the preaching of the gospel. Miracles is one of the things that draw people without you even having to tell them. You know that. 
You see, if to if tomorrow we say let's 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 have prophetic in the church. Let's just let's become prophetic people in the church. And we prophesy all the time. We call out people's names, we call this, we call that, we call JCM, I would be a church that is full, right? We'll be full. Let deliverance and demons come out and all the we'll be full in in our heartbeats. In our heartbeats. In our heartbeat, because that's what people want. That's what people want to see. And stuff. However, though, we're not here to make uh, lie-lie Christians. We're not building lie-lie people that are after signs and wonders and yet not believe in the one that is doing the sign and wonder in terms of Jesus. You understand? That's why Jesus says you search the scriptures, you think in that in them you have eternal life. And yet those very scriptures that you search in, they testify of me. But how come you can't see me but you search in the scriptures? How come you can't? So they're looking for the miracles thinking that they were, but Jesus says, I, I'm the one that's performing but you can't see me. And that's why the, the, the people that are always in this ministry, it's, a, it's a full of pride in, it's a full of arrogance, it's full of like it's about me. You understand? And it's very subtle. They won't say it on the mic, but it's very subtle by the way they carry on. By the six armor bearers they have around them, by the people that are carrying their Bible, by the Gucci's and their whole lot. You know, it just irritates me because they make it like it's about them. Subtly, secretly, secretly, it's hidden. They won't say, oh, it's about, they'll say it's about Jesus. But try and not do what they want you to do. Try and Ramon is telling me about a brother. He says, the brother, he knows the brother as a brother. He says that when he greeted the brother once, he said, hey, how's the man of God? The brother was never greet him nicely because he said, how's the man of God? Ramon had no idea that the brother was a pastor, but he greeted him as brother. And then now he found out that the brother is a pastor. So he goes to the brother, hey, pastor, how are you? Hey, the pastor was excited. Now he was called pastor. Hey, how are you, my brother? Greeted him nice. Oh, so, so now what's it? It was about you. So it's not something that they verbally make it known. It's very subtle. Very subtle. It's there. It's not about Jesus anymore. It's about you. And when we get to that level, and that's why I think God sometimes, and He wants our minds to be prepared, especially winter. Hey, winter, winter. Let, I kid you not, I'm, I promise you now, let somebody from Ghana say the Lord sent them to winter. Come to winter. Open a church in winter. Prophesy. Majority of people in winter will leave their churches and go to that foreigner. For what reason? Oh, the Lord said my time is up. Oh, the Lord said, no, you are looking for something. You are searching for something and you would find out you will never get it because a pastor can prophesy to you 10 times and you still will not receive. You will still be stuck. Still be stuck. I came out of prophetic ministry. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I was, I was geared to prophesy to the way the, way the guys. And I saw the, I saw the gimmick. I saw the whole thing. I'm like, I, I can't do this. This is not right. When new people come in, there's a prophetic word for every new person. That comes in for every person that you haven't seen before there's a prophetic word for them I, I know I was there I used to do it I used to prophesy to new people too when they come in and then the Lord started to open my eyes that this thing here it's not it's not my my nature it's not my plan for your life you need to preach I remember when we started in the, we had I think Melissa, I think Melissa was around then I think Zama was Zama was around yeah, we started in that crash by Adams, and we were prophesying, 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 prophesying. I think we were having a Sunday evening. It wasn't even a Sunday morning church. I don't, I don't remember. But remember, remember, 
and oh, I don't think you were there that time. Yeah. And church would get full. I kid you not. The small place was getting full. We had no, we had no place for people. People were sitting on children's chairs. Remember Zama on the baby's chair? They were sitting on the because the, the, the prophetic was was nice. It was very, very nice. I remember there was one time I called Marissa out. I said, I saw an SMS on your phone. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But what I'm saying is that it was it was nice. So what people were, people were sort of yelling and people were coming. People were even, there was like five or six ladies that left their church to join us. Because this is what they wanted. And then the Lord spoke to me. That was the day. He said, stop this. Teach the word. And I started to teach the word. Stop, I stopped that, you know. And I started to see, church got empty, church got empty, church got empty, church. Because now I'm no more doing, I'm no more prophesying. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's a spirit that people need to remove from their lives. Wanting prophecy, wanting prophecy, wanting prophecy. However, though, we want prophecy, we want to we believe in the prophetic, but mainly and foremost, it must point you to Jesus and not to the man and whenever prophecy points you to the man and not to jesus you know you are walking in error so the question that i had and i'm about to wrap up now the question that i had was that why don't we see it because of all these things that are happening around us but god wants us to get to a place where we said look at what jesus does in the scripture this mother was coming from bearing her child a child was being buried the funeral procession was coming out of the city the mourners were there weeping and Jesus stops the whole funeral procession and he brings out the sh- and he calls the child and he sorry he raises the child from the dead from within the coffin oh let's look at this here I'm, I'm, we don't know I had to do um, customs and manners to see how they would do their burial I don't think it was a casket or so but let's let's look at it right as he approached the town gates, a dead person was being carried out. So you don't know if the dead person was in a coffin or a casket. We would like to think he was in a coffin, but I don't know. Because they did carpentry that day, or they just wrapped the person up in white. So we'll have to understand customs and manners. So actually, I should have done that. They're my apologies, okay? So the dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from that town was at the next verse, 13. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Let's look at the next verse. Then he went up and touched the coffin. Touched the coffin. So it's probably a wooden structure, right? We can say that, but like I said, we'll have to see. And those carrying it stood, or maybe this language is translating it in that way. And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. So he says, young man, I say to you, get up. Let's... Let's look at the next verse. 50, the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Hey, just think about that for a minute. Ramon, you're going to bury your child. For those that maybe are widows and you got a child, you're about to go bury your child. As you are going out to go and take him to the, the gravesite, or where he's going to, that time they were doing caves and stuff. As you were going to put him into a cave, Jesus stops the whole meeting session and he, and, he, and he says, because he sees the mother crying, he saw the pain of the mother. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion because he saw how the mother was crying. Now imagine your situation and you're saying, God, you can't. God is moved with compassion over your situation. But sometimes God doesn't want to bless some of us. 
And I said it before, sometimes God, even though He sees your pain and even though He sees your hurt, sometimes God doesn't want to bless us. Sometimes He'll refuse to bless us. Because when He blesses us, we'll turn our backs against Him. So, so there was this, He saw the compassion of this woman. And He looks at this woman and, he, and he, His heart is full. And He says, don't cry, please. Imagine Jesus looking at your situation and saying, Brother William, don't cry, please. Don't cry. Don't cry, Caroline. I'm going to sort it out. Don't cry. This too is going to pass. Don't cry. It's going to be better. Imagine Jesus looking at your situation and saying, don't cry. It either means that he wants to do something to change it. It means that he wants to shift the situation around. It means that he wants to make it better. So he'll say, don't cry. If ever somebody gives you a word and says that Jesus is saying to you, don't cry. Understand and know in a short while the miracle is about to come. Because when Jesus feels compassion on you, or when Jesus' eyes is on you and your situation, it's likely that it's going to change. It's likely that it will never stay the same. The thing is to get his attention to be on your situation. If your situation warrants it. Because some of us, I was saying live, I was just thinking about it. We mustn't take suffering out of the doctrine of the Bible. We can't, we can't take it out. Suffering was part of the Bible. We can't take it out of the doctrine. We can't take it out of our teachings. Some of us must suffer to catch a wake up. Some of us must go through. So that's why I'm saying, if your situation warrants his attention. You, you get what I'm saying? If it warrants his attention, meaning that the suffering that you're currently going through might be for a reason. Or then sometimes you are in pain and this now warrants his attention so that you can get out of it and then he can do something about the situation. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Right? So the scripture makes us understand that they were, they, were, they were taken and Jesus saw the situation and how bad it was and he needed to do something to change it. May Jesus look on your situation in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. And he said something so lovely. He doesn't talk much when he's performing a miracle. Do you know that? Even when you see Jesus performing miracles, I love Jesus so much. Whenever you see him performing miracles, he's all praying for people. Jesus doesn't spend hours in prayer or a long time praying for them. He doesn't. He does it very... Follow Jesus, you'll see. Follow all the miracles that he done. He says, be healed. Be free. <laughs> Let her go. <laughs> Touch them there. Never talks much. But we, when we pray... I feel the spirit We pray You find out five minutes you're sweating People have to come with a towel and wipe you You sweat and you'll be praying for long Because Jesus understood One principle that is Private ministry Is more important than his public ministry so that he spent more time dwelling on his private ministry in prayer and in worship before he came publicly. So when he had come publicly, it wasn't something that was going to be hard for him to do. It was going to be something that is very easy because all he's doing is going to release a command, but because he had prayed privately before. So most of us don't pray privately and we pray publicly. And even when we pray publicly, we're hoping and waiting for something to happen. That's why your prayers are lengthy. It's because you're hoping and waiting for the miracle to come. You're hoping because you have no belief. But your belief starts in your private session before you come out publicly to pray for somebody. 
has to start privately. So when you come out and pray for somebody, and somebody says, please pray for me, I'm sick. Because you had already been in prayer, you already know, Sister Zaini, as for this sickness here, you are going to recover from it. So you will say, be healed in Jesus' name. Even though the person might not like that short prayer. You know that people don't like short prayer? Uh, they don't like you to pray short for them. They want you to pray intense and deep prayers. Like, you know, hey, I never feel the pastor's prayer. Ah, was the pastor praying to you? And that's the problem. is like they feel like we're praying to them. I'm not, when I pray for you, I'm not worried about how you feel about my prayer. I was connecting to God, not to you. So we, we do that and, and we wait until we see a tear. They must cry because our prayer must meet their emotions. I'm telling you, I was there, Charlie. I know, I know how to play the game. I was to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. I'm touching all. I'm t- Lord, the broken heart, the hurting heart, the pain in the heart. I'm touching, touching corners that will release tears. Oh, you all think. Hey, I've been in church a long time. I'm telling you. So it was more of trying to help myself. And to allow the people to think that you got some power or there's something happening. But the longer the prayer, it means that I have less of faith. I'm telling you, it means I have less of faith. Because Jesus, whenever he prayed, but you would find Jesus always leaving. Look at the scripture. He'll leave his disciples and he'll go away into a solitude place and pray. He'll leave the disciples and he will go and pray. He'll go and seek the face of God. If Jesus saw the face of God for the miracles and the signs and wonders and for things to happen and you think you can come to church on a Sunday and signs and wonders will happen in your life, that's why you'll pray long prayers like that and expecting that even after your long prayer, the person's like, Charlie, nothing. Because it's not in that. It's in your secret place that God will... That's why David, I love David's story so much about Emmanuel. David's story was such that David killed the lion, he killed the bay, he did all those things. Nobody knew what David was doing in the jungle. And when he was faced with Goliath, he never bring out swords, slashes, never bring out anything. He never say, come and follow me while I go kill Goliath. He just had a sling. He knew that if he could kill the lion, he could kill the bay. This uncircumcised Philistine that's coming to mess around with his God is going to take it out easy. But David could have not been successful in killing Goliath if he never killed those things privately. He never killed those things privately. He had to kill those things privately before he could kill Goliath publicly. And there are some small demons in our lives that we can't kill, but we expect to kill the demons that are fighting out, fighting us publicly. And God is saying, kill the small ones first, then you can win the public battle. The public battle. You know why most of the time it's like we want to appear nice and good in front of people. I stopped that a long time ago. If you don't like me, you don't like me, it's fine. If you're not happy with me, you're not happy with me, it's fine. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Whether you're for it, whether you're against it, it's on your yourself. But I'm not here to appear to be nice so that people can like me. Because when I look at Jesus' ministry, not everybody liked him that much. I was having a I was having a discussion. Well, I, I feel like it's a boring discussion, and I, I made it known that it's a boring discussion, Leroy. I said this topic with regards to whether we eat pickled fish on Christ, uh, on Easter, whether we go on to church on a Christmas day, whether it's pagan worship. I said it's boring now. It's becoming very boring. So what if I eat pickled fish on Easter time? If I eat pickled fish Easter, am I gonna go to hell? 
That's what I want to know. Firstly, that's the question I want to know. If I eat fish on Easter, they call it Easter or Passover, uh, Good Friday. If I eat it on Good Friday, will it mess around with my eternity? If I go to church on Christmas Day, will it mess around with my eternity? That's the question that I want to know. And if we can't mess around with my eternity, what are we arguing about? What are we having these discussions for? To prove who is right. So I've made up my mind. I said those discussions are very boring to me now. If you want to discuss about souls being saved, let's talk about that. Let's not talk about whether you're eating pickle fish. And you know us, us we like us, the colors, we like pickle fish. And we, we never have pickle fish, so does it mess around with my eternity? Or that means because I never eat it, I might go to hell? Or what, what, what's, what's the issue here? The issue is that we, we, the Bible says, we have made the power of God, listen to this, we have made the power of God of no effect. Listen why? Because of our tradition. Because of our tradition. The power of God is of no effect, useless, inactive, can't work because of tradition. So put tradition aside. Even if I don't eat it or if I eat it, so what? I'm putting my tradition aside. I want to go out and win souls. So I can't make now, I can't make now God touching somebody on Christmas Day of no effect because you believe that Christmas is not the day we should be. It's Jesus' birthday. But I can tell you now on Christmas Day, many people are getting saved. Many people are coming to Christ. So now I'm going to stop Christmas Day because you believe that it's not the day that I should worship. Or you believe that a Saturday is the day I should worship. So I mustn't worship Sunday. I mustn't worship Sunday. I must worship Saturday. So let's say I worship Saturday. It's fine. Let's say I worship Sunday. It's fine. What's the main thing? People are coming to God. Not the day. And I, I always say I'm closing now. I always say that. So I tell even if people say that this day is a, a, a pagan holiday. I know who I serve. I know who I worship. I worship the God of the Bible, not some pagan God. So imagine, imagine they made 365 days, days for pagan worship. So then I must, what day do I have? Because 365 days is pagan worship. What days do I have? So, when, so maybe when Hindus have a day, I must say, okay, my day is cancelled because that's a day for the Hindus. Oh, when Islam has a day, hey, I can't fast on that day, it's Ramadan, so I can't fast because the, the Islam and the Muslim fast on that day. Our, uh, we need to get out of that because even when it comes to certain foods and all that, people are like, I don't eat this, this is why, oh, forget about it. Whether, whether Easter or this Holy Week was made through Catholicism or, or whatever the myth, I don't care. Let them make the day. I know what I'm going to do on that day. I'm going to win souls on that day. I'm going to kick the devil's butt on that day and add more people to heaven on that day. So let them make the day. They can even make more days and give us more holidays. That's fine. Government must do that even more. But I understand who I worship. It's not about the day. I want to worship him 24-7. So David had a private ministry so that he could appear publicly. I believe God is turning somebody's life around. I'm telling you, God is going to turn your life around as your focus and your attention and you, and you zoom into the fact that the God that you serve is resurrection power. The God that you serve is supernatural. He's not a natural God, so you need to also behave in a supernatural way. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Jesus. We thank you for this awesome day.
We thank you, Lord, that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. With every head bow and every eye close. With every head bow and every eye close. Maybe you're here today and you came in, somebody invited you, or you're just visiting. Uh, you came in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're far from God, you distance yourself from God. Or maybe you're a backslider. You were once on fire for God, you once had a zeal for God. And circumstances and situations have hindered this. I want you to know something very important, that God loves you. And that God is willing to restore you today. If you are here and you're saying, Pastor, I need my relationship with God to be restored. I need to come back to Jesus. I need Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to make right with God today. If you are here and you're saying that, please very quickly just come to the front right now and I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. Don't worry about anybody. Don't worry about the person on your left. Don't worry about the person on your right. Don't focus your attention on them. This is between you and God now. You say, Pastor, I've sinned. I have done wrong. And I want to make my life right with God. And I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life again. I've wandered away. I haven't been praying like I used to. Even though I don't see it, but I've, I feel like I'm backslidden. I feel like I'm falling from God. I never sin. I never do anything wrong. But it seems as though my relationship with God is a disconnect. I can't pray anymore. I can't read my word anymore. I can't fellowship anymore. I want you to come to the Lord right now. If you feel that there's that disconnection between your relationship with God and between you and the Lord, I want you to come and Jesus is going to touch your life and Jesus is going to make all things new in your life. Never ever be without prayer. Never ever be without the word. And Jesus Christ can do it for you. Amen. You feel distant from God. You feel that there's this disconnect. Amen. You want to come back to the Lord. You want to have your relationship with God restored. You want to get things right. You want to settle this matter once and for all. That God, I don't have all the things figured out. I don't have it all together. I don't know whether I'm coming or going most of the time. I don't know what will happen to me even after today. But Father, I'm willing to take that step and say, Jesus, I'm willing to return, Jesus. I'm willing to come back, Jesus. I'm willing to for my relationship with you to be restored. Come, I'll give you one more minute. If you are here still and you're saying that I want to come back. You see, you can have all these things in this life. You can have all the money. You can have all the fame. You can have all the riches in this life. But there's one thing that you would make a mistake and not have. That's Jesus. You would make the most biggest mistake in your entire life. It's not to have Jesus in your life. You can pretend in front of people like everything's okay. I was talking to Quentin the other day and I said to Quentin, Quentin, what happened if that bullet went in another direction? If it never hit your arm, were you ready to meet the Lord that day? Were you ready to meet the Savior? And the reality was, he even says that, I want. So in, in any moment, in any instant, things can turn sour. But are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready? Are you ready for that relationship with God? And then this is what I'm calling you to. I'm not calling you to church. I'm calling you to a relationship with God. To go deeper in your relationship with God. To go deeper in your walk with God. To have that same zeal and that same fire and that same passion that when you once started, where Jesus was all that mattered to you. Now Jesus must become everything that matters to you. I'm going to give you one more minute to come. One more minute to come. One more minute to come. And then I'm going to pray for these beautiful people that are here right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. We honor you. What you've done for us, Lord. Uh, we can't explain it, Lord. This love that you have for us, Lord. 
Father, it's beyond words, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that while we were wretched sinners, while we were still far from you, while we were aliens, your word says, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. While we were disconnected from you, you died for us, Lord. I thank you for each and every single person that is here today, Lord. I pray your hand over their lives. I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would keep them. I pray that you would ignite the fires within their hearts. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, the desire to serve you, the desire to worship you, the desire to give you glory. Lord, I pray it will come upon them right now in the name of Jesus. I release the fire of the Holy Spirit upon them now in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do. Won't you say this beautiful prayer with me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. Father, forgive me for all of my sins, for all unrighteousness. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me. And from today, I am a child of God. From today, I am born again. From today, I am saved. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them right now. For some, they came here, Lord, that, that reconnect, that restoration, Lord. I pray that you would bless them. I pray your hand over their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you so much. Amen. There's a brother at the back, brother Lyle and brother Dennis. I just want to take you into the room for a minute or so. Just to spend a few minutes with you and pray with you further if you need any more prayer. Okay? God bless you so much. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed today? Lift up your hands, amen. See you tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, just a quick reminder that tonight is our last service in this place. Uh, amen. This is so sad. Every time we extend in the, the Sundays, amen. But this is our, our last Sunday in church, amen. So we thank God for the next level that He has taken us as the church and the land that He's preparing for us, amen. So it's exciting, amen. Nerve-wracking, nerve but also exciting as well. Uh, Bishop Dag says something so profound, Ramon. He says, that he says if you've never built anything for the lord or done anything for god he says i've got no respect for you hey hey like it's like you know like yo if you've never done anything he says, i've got no respect for you i was like wow he says people that i respect are people that work for the lord it's not that i'm funny to you but it means that i won't treat you like even like a president or something i won't treat you as like oh you know because you've never done nothing for the Lord. Because what's going to speak speak for you afterwards is not the, the how many people that were homeless that you gave houses to. What's going to speak to you for you at the end is what you did for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Amen. Please don't don't stop praying for uh, Quentin and 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 Reds. Amen. And just continue to pray for them. Hallelujah. Uh, that God will give them a quick recovery as well. Quinson said soon, I think in this week, he might go for his operation. Amen. So we pray that the Lord will be with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit, the participation of God be with you now and forevermore. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord strengthen your family. May the Lord strengthen your home. Everything that concerns you, I speak a blessing over your life. Today, even as you leave to go home, I speak the word of God over your life. May goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life as you abide and rest in the house of God. God bless you so much. See you tonight at 5 p.m. I'll be outside waiting to share.